Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Thursday, September 28th. Coming up, Kansas City police like to point out that non-fatal shootings are down this year, but those shootings have actually risen over the long term. That's because there are machine gun style weapons on the street. And so even though non-fatal shootings are down, homicides are up because more each shooting is just that more deadly. We'll look at what it's like to survive a shooting. Plus, composting services are popping up in cities across the Midwest, hoping to divert food waste from landfills and reduce climate impacts. But concerns about smells and pests means city governments have to figure out how to regulate these new operations. Local governments can either say, oh, you've got a problem, or they can help these operations that support their communities to overcome the obstacles. But first, some headlines. Kansas City Mayor Quinton Lucas was in Missouri's highest court yesterday trying to overturn a constitutional amendment forcing the city to spend more on police. KCUR's Sam Zeff has more. Lucas wants the Missouri Supreme Court to toss out the election where voters overwhelmingly approved an amendment forcing the city to spend 25 percent of its general fund on the KCPD. Before the election, the state required the city to spend at least 20 percent on police. Lucas claimed this is an unfunded local mandate, unconstitutional in Missouri. The state argued it's not because the city had already been spending about 25 percent of its budget on the police department. If the court decides it was unconstitutional, it will also have to determine whether that warrants a new election. More than 100 people gathered in Kansas City, Kansas yesterday to rally in solidarity with the United Auto Workers strike against Ford, General Motors and Stellantis. About 2000 workers at the Fairfax plant in KCK were temporarily laid off because of the strike. Members of UAW Local 31 made clear they're willing to hold out until auto companies meet their demands. Clarence Brown, former president of the local, says their fight will benefit all working families. I see history unfolding right before our eyes. I see members who are ready to do what needs to be done so that we can move forward. UAW members want auto companies to end tiered pay structures, reinstate cost of living adjustments, and reestablish medical benefits and pensions. They also want to see a nearly 40 percent pay raise. Earlier this month, a federal judge dismissed a lawsuit over Shawnee's controversial co-living ban. But one homeowner is appealing the decision, arguing the rule is unconstitutional. KCUR's George Russell reports. Until recently, Val French lived with her husband, son, stepson, and her son's girlfriend. But under an ordinance passed by Shawnee City Council last year, four or more unrelated people can't share the same roof. French sued the city, but a federal judge threw out the case. Now, French is filing an appeal. It just makes Shawnee a very unwelcoming place for anyone who doesn't conform to their specific ideas of a nuclear family. A Shawnee official said no citations have been issued yet, but violators could be penalized up to $500 per day. We'll be back after this. Thank you. 
When people talk about violent crime in Kansas City, they mostly focus on the high number of homicides. But many people are hit by gunfire and survive, only to struggle with physical and mental issues. These non-fatal shootings have been rising, leaving more families to pick up the pieces. KCUR's Peggy Lowe reports. Murray remembers that day in September 2017. She was on her lunch break watching TV and saw a breaking news report about a shooting at East 45th Street and Paseo Boulevard. And I said, oh, my God, I pray for whoever kid that is, their whole family. She didn't know it until hours later, but it was her 19-year-old son who'd been shot. Parked at a gas station, Marie's son was hit 10 times. His car had more than 35 bullet holes. Marie nearly lost her son, and not just that one time. Twice. In April 2022, her son was once again shot by the same people who were beefing with him before. They'd been released from lockup after five years. This time they got him, they got him real good. By some kind of miracle, Marie's son is still alive. But Marie is now left to pick up the pieces of the little bit of her son who's still here. A 25-year-old man who is more like an 8-year-old. He's just not my son. He's in there. He's inside himself, but he's not. His body's there, but that's not him. KCUR is not identifying Marie or her son for their safety. She's one of untold thousands of people in Kansas City who are dealing with the fallout from gunshot wounds, leaving physical and mental wounds. Non-fatal shootings in Kansas City have risen by nearly 30 percent since 2015. So far this year, KCPD reports 355 what they call living victims. My general feeling is that non-fatals are either increasing or staying steady. I don't feel like they're decreasing, but I don't know that we really know. Natalie Hippel is a criminal justice professor at Indiana University. She says it's difficult to know what the national trends are because there is no federal definition of non-fatal shooting. So there's confusion around whether a domestic violence homicide should be counted, for instance, or whether a shooting in self-defense would count because it's not a crime. In my mind, you can't try and address something if you can't accurately count it. In Kansas City, police like to point to a decrease in non-fatals during the last year. But that's actually connected to the city's high homicide rate. As murders seesaw up, non-fatals go down. Melissa Johnson is Mayor Quentin Lucas's director of public safety. She says more people are getting killed because the weapons on the street are just so deadly. It is now normal to see over 100 shell casings and rounds at a crime scene. And that is because you are dealing with higher capacity weapons. That means AK-47s or machine guns or semi-automatic weapons that are being converted into fully automatic weapons using what are called Glock switches or Glock chips. These illegal add-ons can turn a pistol into a fully automatic machine gun that fires dozens of bullets with just one pull of the trigger. It's a small black metal square about the size of a Lego brick. They turn an already dangerous instrument into a much more deadly instrument. Marie, who unwittingly prayed when she first heard news of her son's shooting, is still praying. And she's angry. Marie says the system has failed her, offering victim services for just a couple weeks after the shooting, then nothing. Her son's been diagnosed with PTSD and depression. 
And she's tried to get him into long-term rehab, only to be told her insurance is no good or it's not covered by Medicaid. A few counseling sessions have gone nowhere. You get shot, you're done, and you get throw out, threw back out into the world. They don't care. That's black-on-black crime. All she can do now, Marie says, is pray. She recites Psalm 91 every night with her son, asking for God's protection. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Peggy Lowe. Food waste is the largest category of trash going to landfills, according to an estimate from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency in 2018. Community composting operations are popping up in cities across the country, hoping to keep that waste out of landfills and return nutrients to the soil. But not all cities are welcoming them, especially when neighbors complain about bad smells and pests. Harvest Public Media's Eva Tesfai reports on how cities in the Midwest are handling these new operations. On the urban farm herbivore in Kansas City, Missouri, Brooke Savaggio and Daniel Hurrier hold a scoop of what they call black gold. If you smell it, it just smells like fertility, you know? It smells, I mean, it just smells like really rich soil. Um, and, and when we put it out on the fields, it becomes really rich soil. <laughs> but not all their neighbors agree about the smell. While Savaggio says the compost is improving herbivore's yields, neighbors complain to the city about it being a nuisance. The city now says the operation requires a special use permit. Hurrier says they checked with the city before expanding back in 2021, and he says the city should be working with them, not against them, to manage food waste sustainably. I want to create more compost hubs like this around the city and the metro area, and the cities and other municipalities around this area, but certainly the city of Kansas City, should be helping us do that. Food waste takes up space in landfills and produces methane, a powerful greenhouse gas that contributes to climate change. Sending less food waste to landfills can save municipalities money and reduce climate impacts, says Brenda Platt of the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. But she says community composting can be a challenge for municipalities and cities. Local governments can either say, oh, you've got a problem, or they can help these operations that support their communities to overcome the obstacles. Platt says cities don't have updated zoning rules that address composting specifically. The Midwest is especially behind when it comes to supporting composting, says Jennifer Trent, a program manager at the Iowa Waste Reduction Center at the University of Northern Iowa. A lot of times it's a preconceived idea or notion that compost sites are foul places and that they won't be beneficial to the community. She says composting doesn't have to be a nuisance when done right, but she warns that one operation doing it wrong can ruin the practice for an entire region. If you have a compost site that's not complying with the regulations, enforce those laws. You know, don't allow them to continue until it's fixed. The U.S. Composting Council says having good zoning laws, enforcing them, and educating residents about composting helps make sure everything runs smoothly. When Ben Stanger wanted to start his business, Greenbox Compost, in Wisconsin, a lot of municipalities told him no. But he says Sun Prairie, just outside of Madison, was willing to change a zoning code for his business. It just happened to be that Sun Prairie, you know, really 
rolled out the welcome mat and, and helped us kind of work through this. Stanger is composting indoors with containers and using a slightly more technological approach to prevent problems like smells and pests. But the city is also doing its part by educating residents, says Jake King, the city's communications and diversity strategist. We really try to look at that public outreach and engagement so people know what we're doing and but most importantly, know why we're doing it. Back in Kansas City, Herbivore is appealing its violations and hoping that will result in larger changes to city rules. Assistant City Manager Melissa Kozakowicz says that city leadership is currently in discussions with Herbivore on how it can better support composting and urban farming. Kansas City and every other city in America has an opportunity to think about how it manages its waste in a different way. The challenge for cities is figuring out how to not only support composters, but also how to regulate them before the problems start. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Eva Tesfai. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including KCUR. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Paris Norvell and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Peggy's story about non-fatal shootings and Eva's story about composting, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. If you like our show and want to support us, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.